You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. We are back for another special round with our new regular guest, Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center here on Trending. Thanks for being with us, Father. Oh, always great to be back, Timory. Father Robert Spitzer is the head of the Magis Center and has incredible resources available online, such as Credible Catholic. You can find that at CredibleCatholic.com. And we'll actually be pulling from much of his work that really works to walk you through understanding your faith, understanding the big ideas that seem so difficult, but you do a phenomenal job breaking them down. And we're talking about a tough one today. (laughs) Thank you very much. But uh, see if I'm up to the task here. So we'll be talking about the will. What is it and why does it matter? And I like this topic if we kind of bring it to a current crisis that we're having surrounding gender ideology. Father, one of the things you'll hear people say they're maybe experiencing, and it could be anything. It could be maybe you're experiencing um, an addiction to pornography, maybe Mm -hmm. struggling just to remain chaste in your marriage, in your relationship, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's a same-sex attraction. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, sometimes people will strive to try to live what the church teaches and that ideal of chastity. But then Mm -hmm. other times people kind of throw their hands up and say, you know what? God made me this way. I wouldn't be experiencing this if he didn't create me to feel this way. And maybe I should say in the case of a same-sex attraction type relationship, maybe I should just get married. Maybe I should just embrace this type of identity. And this actually goes against the church's teaching concerning the will. So I'd love to hear your initial response to that type of question. Yeah, I think with respect to free will, um, of course, we do have a free will. And and will, of course, is the next step after the intellect. So you conceive of something, and then you you generally, through an act, uh, an internal act, Uh, you can try and put it into action. So the will transforms a concept into action. Now, emotions, um, you know, are involved and desires are involved in translating a a concept into action. So we have our self-consciousness and our self-consciousness gets to act on uh, various desires that we have. So, for example, we might have the desire for what I would call level one pleasure. And uh, sometimes those things can be legitimate, but, you know, that would be a a nice glass of wine or something of that nature, or it could be be very aberrant, too. It could be pornography or something of that nature, which you, you don't want to follow that desire. So you could have a level two desire, which is an ego comparative desire. You could also have a level three desire, which is to make a positive difference to somebody or something beyond yourself. And a level four desire would be to to know, love, and serve God, to follow God, to do his will, not only for the sake of your salvation, but to enter into that cosmic struggle between good and evil on the side of God, the side of cosmic good, against the devil and his cohort. And and so level four has a huge significance um, uh, as well. 
Now, we're self-conscious beings. We're self-aware beings. And we're going to have to choose one of these things. Now, here's the problem. We, ought, we do have free will. And our self-consciousness can say, you know, I'm going to act according to level four desire. I really have a strong desire. Remember, desire is going to translate right, my, my concept into action. And I have a very strong desire to follow God. I love God very much, and that's a strong motivation. And my self-consciousness can say, I want to act for the salvation of this other person. I want to act for my salvation. I don't want to do anything that will displease God. And I want to do everything I can to undercut the devil. Now, those are all level four motivations, right? So you can just say, I choose that. I, that's what I really want. And so skip the gender, skip the same-sex attraction, skip the attraction uh, to uh, some other person who's not my wife, or skip the pornography. I am going to skip that. I forego it because these other noble desires and noble intentions is what I really choose. Now, here's where the little difficulty comes in. And the difficulty is that some things can get addictive. But let's just skip addiction for one moment and just say all things being equal. So if I didn't have an addiction, let's say, to pornography, or if I didn't have an addiction to alcohol, or if I wasn't in some illicit relationship, or, you know, skip all the addiction things for just a second and just simply say everything is equal. Boy, if you start off with that starting ground and you form your will, around just saying, you know, I love God. I want to please him. I want salvation and I don't want to lose it. I want to lead everybody else to salvation and I don't want to, I don't want to lead them astray. And I certainly want to defeat Satan and his cohort on the side of God. These are my four noble intentions. These are the desires I'm going to act upon. These are my level four intentions. I choose it. You start working on that. I'm telling you now, you're going to be really in the pink. That's called forming your will. That's Father Robert Spitzer. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. Father Spitzer is joining us from the Magis Center. Father, you mentioned something about there's a problem when we start viewing everything as equal. So mm -hmm. you talked about the emotion. You talked about the desire, this understanding of self-consciousness. Mm -hmm. So if we start putting our emotions and our desires at the same level as that desire to serve God, to mm -hmm. follow his path, that's when you're saying it becomes problematic. So if we say mm -hmm. our emotions are just as relevant mm -hmm. as our faith is. Mm -hmm. That's when we start to kind of find that imbalance and we start to justify things. That's right. And so the main uh, problem is, first of all, we got to prioritize our desires. And so you got to be really careful not to take those level one desires and level two desires and say they're equally important to the level four desires. The second thing is... You, you, What's the level one desire again? Level one Let's desires are for physical um, pleasures or for material goods. So there's something that comes to you from outside of you. So an ice cream cone and it would be a level one pleasure. And um, a nice new Mercedes 500 E-Class with leather upholstery, which can be smelled, is definitely a level one pleasure, especially when you feel the, the good German engineering going <laughs> around the corners. But the, the main thing, though, is those are level one desires. But can I ask a sure. question here? People, I think, often think that level one desires, um, for example, that are supposed to be outside of you yeah. are the same as kind of our internal attractions, let's say. Mm -hmm. And we kind of 
create this confusion in terms of that type of desire, that it's not an attraction outside of me. Suddenly that outer attraction becomes an identity for a lot of the gender debate. Oh, yeah. There's no question about it. And, and you know, the, um, when you get into it, you know, things that are outside should be left outside. You have the, in your freedom, your, by the way, self-consciousness means you're aware of your awareness. And because you're aware of your awareness, you can be aware of your inner states. And you can choose which inner state you want to give preference to. Do you want to give preference to your pleasures? Do you want to give uh, to sen- uh, sensorial pleasures? Do you want to give preference to your ego comparative advantage? I want to be the top guy. I want to get all the prestige from everybody. You want to give your, your thing to that? You want to give it to contribution? That could be good. Common good. You could do something good. Could make lunch for Timory, whatever. Or level four, I want to please God. Now, you're self-conscious. In every waking moment, you're trying to stay focused on what's really important. Level four comes before the other three desires. That's your internal choice. But if you choose level four, it's going to be work. I'm telling you this right now. Because level one pleasures, as Timory just intimated, those are very strong and intense up front. And so, you know, obviously, if you go, if you look at something like pornography, it will rivet you. And, of course, that's the intention is to rivet you and take you away from those other three desires. Obviously, the pornographer just wants you to buy it or to get you hooked on it so he can or she can control you. But the point is what you want to do is say, no, as for me, I'm following God. I'm going to follow what the Lord is leading to. That's life. That's light. That's love. That's goodness. That's what will make me not just a productive citizen to get to my salvation. It'll make me a real agent of salvation for everybody else. And in the meantime, I can actually be crushing the serpent's tail. So that's, you know, our objective is to choose that. Choose life. When we hear stories of people who started a pornography addiction, we'll hear mm-hmm. often about boys when they were really young, let's mm-hmm. say about seven, eight years old, which is when most mm-hmm. young boys now are first exposed to porn. Mm-hmm. And they'll talk about how it was this sensation of delight and awe and wonder. And at the same time, this like kind of gut feeling of there's something that's not quite right here. And I think that's interesting because there's this first introduction into a desire um, Mm -hmm. being odd. And I think that that is such a symbol of how we need to approach so much in the world that a child can understand the wrongness. But today we have no self-awareness anymore Mm -hmm. to even recognize actually something might be wrong with this and follow your gut in a sense. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, conscience does well up. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And whenever we start something that's bad, uh, you know, conscience does make its... uh, its feelings felt. I mean, it, 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 it almost protends into our action. It, it literally protrudes into our actions. And, and so the, the, the main thing to, to, to do is, as you say, Timory, listen to your gut. If you are starting to feel that darkness or that blackness, then you got to stop. We'll be right back here on Trending with Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center. We're going to ask this question, what exactly is a self-determination? Why is it important? And not only that, but how does this really relate to the soul? 
Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Thank you for being with us. Father Robert Spitzer of the Maja Center is joining me. Maybe some of you saw the Super Bowl this week. <laughs> We're going to be talking about that on our next episode. So stay tuned later on in the week for that episode. Father Robert Spitzer will come in after talking about kind of some of the issues surrounding um, this misunderstanding of the human person. But today we're talking about the will and why is self-determination important and how do we get it right? wrong in today's culture. First, though, a message from our sponsors. Solidarity HealthShare is simple to help pay for affordable, quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You choose the doctors that you want to see. Even integrative and alternative medical treatments are eligible. Solidarity HealthShare helps to pay for NAPRO technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Again, Father Robert Spitzer is here with me in studio. Father, let's talk about why is it that self-determination is important? I want to throw this in there because Mm -hmm. today, whether it's, and I'm going to say we see this a little bit more in the very um, feminist movement that Mm -hmm. I determine my reality. I define what will come before me. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a truth to much of what they're saying, but we're getting it wrong. So why is self-determination so important? Yeah, self-determination is not in a vacuum. During the Enlightenment period, the will was defined as self-determination, the ability to determine who I am by who I will become. So that was the great Enlightenment view of, of freedom. And in, in a way, it corresponds in, in many ways um, you know, to uh, the church, except the church always specified that freedom was also in conjunction with a set of fundamental options. And I just break them down into those four levels of desire. You know, you you can choose pleasure and you can become a pleasure-seeking machine. And if you do that, what's happened is you've used your freedom basically to define your whole self as a pleasure-making machine. You just can't say, I'm just going to be who I am. But toward what goal? Toward what end? This is the, the question since the time of Plato and Aristotle. If you have self-determination without an end in view, all roads will get you there. That's not freedom. That's nothing. That's just spinning around and admiring all of your open options. Big a deal. You're not free to do anything. If you're going to be free, you're, you're actually moving toward something which is your ultimate fulfillment, your ultimate dignity, your ultimate destiny. you got to be free toward something. So the idea of self-determination without a goal or an end is completely bogus. You know, and when you're talking about this, Father, a lot of people say, okay, my goal 
is uh and you kind of start to ask people yeah. and they well i want to you know achieve this level of education or mm -hmm. i really want this job and what's mm -hmm. interesting is that you get to that point and then they're not happy yeah. you know we get to and people do this even within you know sometimes the catholic community well i really want to be married and they get to the point where they're married but then they're not satisfied i really want a child and then they're not able to have a child mm -hmm. within the time that they want and they're mm -hmm. not satisfied you know i really mm -hmm. want this new house i really want this for my home and we start kind of saying that when I have this next thing, I'll be happy. Yeah, I think that there's nothing outside of God, or we know there's nothing outside of God that will completely satisfy our desires. So how do we help someone who's kind of on this path of self-determination, self-definition, as we might say, yeah. we're going back to the Tower of Babel in many <laughs> sense. Um, how do we help someone who's not quite there and seeing, okay, this is the end goal, the transcendent goal, when they're stuck on kind of hopping from one thing to the next. Yeah, the first thing is to just uh, let them know that they're on a one of those wheels that you get a pet rat, you know, and you put on the <laughs> spinning wheel there, and you just got to say, you got to stop that. The only way off the wheel, which is turning in a circle, is you, you have to go towards something. Father, I'm <laughs> laughing because I, I take it that you're not a fan of the guinea pigs. You see it as a rat. Why would you have a rat running <laughs> in a cage? Oh, Sorry. I always <laughs> conceived of myself as a rat because my sisters would always say, you rat. So, <laughs> but anyway, when I was a little kid, you know, I was up to something. You know. But anyway, uh, but the long and the short of it is, if, I, if this is not too... Uh, self-aggrandizing, you know, I, I would recommend um, uh, going to my website and clicking on those four levels of happiness. CredibleCatholic.com. Uh, CredibleCatholic.com. Go to the seven essential modules. Watch module six. I'm begging you because those are the four big levels of happiness. But remember, the four levels of happiness are four levels of desire. Why is that? Because happiness is the satisfaction of a desire. What's unhappiness? The non-satisfaction of a desire. But here's what we want with our lives. And this goes back to Plato and Aristotle. I mean, of course, all Christians, and certainly Jesus reiterated this, but we want to go for the most pervasive, enduring, and deep of our desires, of our forms of happiness. We don't want to live for what is beneath us. Level one will make us happy. You know, a good glass of wine, heck, you know, a prime rib dinner, medium rare, you know, it's going to make you happy, right? Or maybe if you're on a diet, it won't. But the, the main thing, though, is for all intents and purposes, it, these things can bring satisfaction, but it's not going to make life worth living. You're not going to achieve your ultimate dignity, your ultimate fulfillment, certainly not your eternal salvation. So what's next? Well, you can go for ego comparative one. That's Those were the two examples you mentioned. I want to get this level of education. I want to get this job. I want to get this house. You know, okay, you can have all those things. You can even have a certain kind of empowerment through education. And, you know, I'm a Jesuit. I mean, we believe in education. I think it's a great goal. And by the way, I, I would like you to be articulate. I'd like you to have logical abilities and, 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 and to have effective rhetoric, all of that. Is, is wonderful. However, it's not an end in itself. It's never going to bring you, you know, at the end of the day, you can go, you know, I belong to the Mensa Society and I got a 180 IQ. I'm the smartest guy in the town. So what if you did nothing with it? 
you never benefited anybody by all of these this great intellect that you have, and you certainly didn't get to your eternal salvation, but instead hindered it and turned other people away. That was the biggest waste of talent there ever was. You might have the best Harvard education in the world. What good will it do if you did nothing for the kingdom of God, nothing for the world, nothing for anybody or anything beyond yourself? It's just a waste. So you got to figure out, oh, the best thing for me is level four. That's the most pervasive, enduring, and deep. That's the path to salvation. That's transcendence. That's transcendence. That's exactly it. But, Father, I want to throw in there. So a lot of people are stuck on that level three, as you say. So, you know, level two is that ego comparative. Level Mm -hmm. three is that contributive side. But Mm -hmm. level three, I think, is where even a lot of, for example, millennials think they're at because they're saying, I want to serve. I want to be involved in working for a nonprofit. I want to start a company, but I want my company to be green. I want to mm-hmm. make sure we're recycling. I think a lot of millennials do have that mindset of, I do want to contribute mm-hmm. to the world, but they're still stuck in the other side as well without quite entering into the ultimate pleasure is the delight of God. Yeah, yeah no, in, in fact, what happens there is you got to listen to your heart um, because, you know, like I, I've been philosophical all my life and physics oriented all my life and you know, I wanted to put the world together. And so I was always looking for what's the highest, what's the most. So I always used to say, well, eternal is much better than just temporal. Although at level three desires are very noble, but they're not eternal. That's the problem. Number two, they're not universal. They're not going to affect everybody, right? And, and they're not going to affect everybody's salvation. So, I mean, even though I start a nonprofit, and I think that's a very important thing, or even if I decide I'm going to uh, work at the St. Vincent de Paul every day, that I think it's a great thing to do. You also have to pay attention to something else that's going on. You know, as St. As Augustine said, for thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. He's talking to God, right? He's saying to, that, that God created us to be satisfied by himself with perfect truth, perfect love, perfect beauty, perfect goodness, and perfect home in himself, perfect relationship with himself. We should, That's what we're destined for. That's the only thing that will satisfy us is his perfection and truth, goodness, love, beauty, and home, and, and, and just a sure relationship with him. If we don't have that, even though we're the best person out there, we're going to feel con- real alienation, real emptiness, real loneliness, you're present in, in, in the world of success, and everybody admires you and loves you, yet you're so alienated from yourself that you think you're walking around in a darkness and, you, and you're out of kilter with the entire world. Listen to your heart. You're missing God. God alone can get rid of th- that kind of totalistic and cosmic guilt, alienation, and loneliness. Could so, we throw into their dissatisfaction yeah. as well, Father? Yeah. It's just like constant, because I think a lot of people mm-hmm. feel the loneliness, the emptiness, but they try to suppress it. But what they do maybe still feel on the surface at the very least, because a lot of the time we push those other things down is, I'm just kind of dissatisfied. And I hear that from a lot of people. There's this mm-hmm. dissatisfaction. Well, I don't really have anything to contribute. So why does it matter? And we'll get to that a little bit later. But do you think dissatisfaction is on top of those? I think it is as well. I, I do think there's a real dissatisfaction. But we have to, as you pointed out, <clears throat> orient ourselves to the satisfactions that God destined us for. And that starts with faith. That starts with, you know, um, uh, starting a relationship with him through the sacraments and in prayer. 
And that starts with trying to learn about who he is and what does he want from us? Where is he leading us? What is his uh, hope for us, uh, you know, that in the use of our freedom? Uh, what's his hope to get us to by the end of our life? Of course, our salvation, but he has much more in store about bringing other people maybe to salvation or helping others just by the words that you have. You don't have to be some Spitzerian bloviator. You don't have to be a great book writer saying that God You don't have to be one of the the greats. All you need to do is just mention to your friends and your children how lovely God is and point them to resources that can really help them get there. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Father Robert Spitzer of the Magia Center is here with us on Trending. You can dive into all of the content that he's talking about. He'll talk about the various levels of happiness, different types of desires. They're all available like an online textbook. It literally is. You can browse through it on your cell phone, on your computer at CredibleCatholic.com. Father Spitzer, we've been talking about how a lot of people have this idea of self-determination and I will make myself what I want to be. Now, with that, they also have the attitude of, well, since I'm making myself who and what I want to be, who am I then to say that someone else cannot be what they want to be? I mean, literally to the point where we saw those interviews about five years ago where someone went out on the streets addressing the gender ideology debate Mm -hmm. and instead talked about like, okay, well, what if I'm a six foot two, 50 year old male and I identify as a five year old, should I be allowed to go to kindergarten and be in a class with everyone else? And certain people, because they needed to justify their own lifestyle, had to answer yes in order to follow their own logic. Yeah, exactly. Again, I think the ultimate solution to this problem is going to be to go to a higher level of the question. You know, before we even say, uh, uh, you can always say, yeah, of course you should determine who you want to be. Now, let's just look at the menu options for wants. Did you know that there are four levels of wants, four levels of desires? Because wants, another word for that is desires, same thing. You know, so we just bring it up a little bit so we can direct them to these four levels. And then when we direct them to the four levels and you say, are you sure what you really want in life is to be self-identified as being a kindergartner? Uh, Or is there something else that you maybe didn't see on the list of menu options. Maybe have you ever looked at, you know, the the need to contribute, the need for transcendence, the need to make a positive difference to the world? And let's just take a look at those once and dig deeply into them. And, and the way I think you can convince somebody uh, in the modern world of this is everybody wants to know their options mm. and just say, you know, it's not just what you want. You have to know what are the options for what you want and then choose the best one, the highest one, the most pervasive, enduring, and deep one. Father, you have such a map laid out in front of you because you're used to looking at these wants. But I think just to recap for the listeners, those wants our father has been talking about earlier, kind of physical type of pleasures and attractions, too, would be that comparativeness where we are wanting, 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 but we just compare to everyone else or just want more because we Mm -hmm. see what others have. And then third is we want to contribute. But again, that's still not enough because that fourth is ultimately the transcendent idea of chasing 
chasing after God and what mm-hmm. is true, what is good is, and what is beautiful, but not just chasing that, but uniting ourselves and mm-hmm. making ourselves those exact ideas that we long for. Mm-hmm. And so it, when Father's talking El about... Perfecto. We, yeah. Well stated. <laughs> when, we, when we need to talk to people, well, what do you want? When we're talking about the gender debate, we need to really start to memorize these certain concepts that we've got to go beyond the physical, go beyond the comparison, go behind beyond contributing, go to the transcendent. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do in a conversation. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, that's right. But uh, I would just, you know, push the question, you know, instead of, uh, you know, I keep it up at a higher level because remember what Aristotle said, that what's the first rule of rhetoric? The first rule of rhetoric is establish the principles. What are the fundamental grounds that are similar between us? Well, can we agree? Right? You're never going to solve a problem in, in rhetoric if you've got a good argument going. So I'm pro-life, the other person's against life. If I say, hey, you're a murderer, and he goes, no, I'm not. You're trying to restrict my freedom. And we just go at it, you know, full blast. No good will come from that. Aristotle said, no, always go up to the higher level. What are the principles that, that you know, make life worth, worth living? And that's why I wrote that book, Ten Universal Principles, uh, you know, a Brief Philosophy of the Life Issues, is so that people can actually see you know, if we agree on these 10 principles, and I don't know how you're not going to agree on those 10 principles, then you are pro-life. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do with the students. We get, by the way, a 78% turnaround. And this was tested by Camille Pauly, okay. and she works in healingtheculture.com. Oh, okay. And But we teach the, uh, the students these 10 principles. We get a 78% turnaround. So a kid who was uh, you know, previously pro-abortion um, suddenly says, oh, wow, I, I believe in all 10 of those principles. And then figures out, I'm pro-life, you know. And so, you know, they, they actually changed their minds yeah. because what you did was you followed Aristotle's advice. You went up, you know, instead of just trying to solve the thing on the issue. A shouting match isn't going to work. But if you get them to agree to your principles, then it's all over, frankly. If, you, if somebody says, you know, I'm a level three, level four person, <laughs> they're going to be pro-life. But not only that, they're going to stop trying to be the kindergartner yeah. uh, in the class, and they're going to say, oh, my gosh, I've been wasting my life. Stopping a life waste, that's that's the best thing you could ever do. That's Father Robert Spitzer. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Father, one of the cases I hear very often, even from devout people of faith, is, okay, I'm pro-life, but they start to justify things such as, well, Planned Parenthood really does do great things. And you know what? So many kids are having, you know, sex regularly and STDs is such an issue. I really am for comprehensive sex education. They start to justify things. And then I hear some of these same people say, you know, I'm afraid to say this out loud. I'm afraid to talk to other people about it because uh, people are going to attack me because they, well, I thought you were pro-life. And I have to respond with, you know, it's not that they don't fully understand what Planned Parenthood does. It's not that, you know, they really do want comprehensive sex education. It's that sometimes we have such a low view of the human person that we're thinking they're going to do it anyways. We might as well just give them this education and quote unquote access, which is the same argument Planned Parenthood makes for abortion, not just for STD screening and so forth. Yeah, at HealingTheCulture.com, what our objective is um, is to get people to go to level three and level four first. So we do go through those four levels. We just try to move them up to level three and four first. 
then you say, oh my gosh, I do have a higher notion of myself than, well, I'm not just a sex machine. I'm not just a manipulable, materialistic, pleasure-oriented, hedonist, gratifying, uh, you know, self-gratifying being. I'm actually a contributive, transcendent being that's a human mystery that's capable of, of entering into perfect truth, love, goodness, beauty, and, and being through, through God and, and, you know, through serving the world in that capacity as human mystery and calling them to the true mystery of their selves. This is who I really am. What was I thinking to think I just have to follow the path of least resistance to the lowest common denominator being a sex machine? I'm better than that. I'm more than that. And, and, and so once that's, you know, kind of in my head and in, more importantly, my heart, then self-consciousness can take over. The will can take over and say, I choose that desire. I choose that level of want. What I want is the highest form of myself, not just the virtuous self, the transcendent self, the faith-filled self, the servant self, the loving self in the true sense of love, right? This is what I, I truly want for my life, and I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. That's who I really am. And so once you, you have that inner conviction, oh, it could be hard. I mean, if you have a pornographic addiction or an alcohol addiction or something, it's going to be hard. Because, of course, even though you have that self-conception, the addiction is already carved out, etched out its path in the pleasure pathways. And so you're going to have to break with that. You know, you might have to go to a special group that helps with those kinds of things. You may have to get, you know, some some help from a therapist to break with some of these things. But if you are concertedly setting small goals toward getting over that addiction, you will. If you're bringing God into that addiction through prayer, the power of prayer, and through faith and trust, you will get over those addictions. Yes, you probably have to do it over the course of a long time through baby steps, but you can make progress. All of us can make progress. Heck, if I can over—believe me, I have been— you know, arrogant for much of my life. And I have been making baby steps to, away from that, trying to incorporate little manifestations of humility with each passing day. And, and it's hard because, of course, as St. Augustine said, arrogance and pride get into everything. They just mess everything up in life. And, and you just, you know, the impatience factor alone that comes from is horrible. But the main thing, though, is if we can just set our minds toward that goal with the help of God, we can succeed because we do have free will. It just may take us a little longer, but we can do that too. I see two options before us, and that's Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center. You're listening to Trending with Timory. On the one side, Father is saying, this is what you need to do to break your pattern. Set small goals. Identify where you're struggling. I think that's where the daily examination does come mm -hmm. into uh, great help here. But the problem is, is that sometimes people just say, okay, these are my sins, but are you looking? What is the opposite virtue? And how can you create a baby step toward mm -hmm. that virtue while at the same time praying for the gift of the virtue? Mm -hmm. So on one side, it's the small goals. Mm -hmm. But on the opposite side, it is literally staying at that first level 
level of desire and literally basically acting like an animal. We talk about this with regard to mm-hmm. sex, but I'm not just talking about yeah. sex. I'm not just Yo, talking whatever. about food. Yeah. It could be anything, but we're literally living on momentary whims of what do I want in this instant, the same way an animal, you know, appeases the scratch that it has or when it starts to lick its butt. And I'm sorry to be so mm. honest, like in blunt there, creating that image, but that's what we're doing. We're just not being as vulgar as that. Yeah. No, I mean, the strongest sensual gratification is oftentimes thought of as uh, freedom. I want my strongest gratification. Okay, that is a want, and it's a strong, intensive want. There's no doubt about it. But uh, human beings are called to be much more than, as you put it, uh, animalically gratifying. What human beings are called toward is to know, love, and serve God unto your ultimate destiny and to lead everybody along with you. We'll be right back here on Trending with Father Robert Spitzer. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. We started this show out talking about, say, someone who's experiencing a porn addiction. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're struggling with porn. Maybe you want to stop taking your birth control because you want to stop living a sexually active life. Maybe you want to wait until you're married to have sex. Maybe you really do want to live a chaste lifestyle despite experiencing same-sex attraction. Whatever it might be that you are battling, great or small, it can get in the way of your ultimate salvation. So I think that when we're talking about this, I always come back to the words of St. Paul. Mm -hmm. Father Robert Spitzer is here with me on Trending, Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center. And Father, you know, I think of when St. Paul's talking about his own battles within, Mm -hmm. and most people end up assuming that this had to do with some type of sexual battle that he was facing. Mm And, you know, again, that's not what's said in the text. So plug and play whatever you are struggling with. But St. Paul says in Romans 7, I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. And he goes on and on to talk about how it's ultimately sin dwelling within him that is causing this battle. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so this is basically where St. Augustine got his notion of concupiscence from. So uh, what St. Paul means by the flesh here or sin in that passage uh, is basically um, uh, this kind of concupiscent desire, uh, what I might call the strength of our level one and level two desires. That's sensuality that's taken to an extreme or ego comparative identity taken to an extreme. And just um, give one example, sorry, of ego comparative identity for oh, people. Oh, yeah, ego comparative identity is pride. I'm better than you, I'm smarter than you, I'm more athletic, than you. I'm certainly not more athletic than anybody, but I'm more beautiful than you, I'm more intelligent than you, I've achieved more than you, I have more power than you, uh, and I'm loving it the whole time I've got it, and I love lording it over you, and I love it when you recognize it in me. So that's basically a, a, a level two desire. And by the way, St. Paul could have been afflicted by this because remember 2 Corinthians 12, right? You know, the Lord gave me a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to beat me, to keep me from getting proud. Proud! There it is. So what Paul's talking about there might be his pride as well. It could be his sensuality as well. We don't, we don't know. 
But this is what he's saying. And here's the struggle of the will, is that the concupiscent desire is there, but also the desire for level three and level four is there, the desire to be with God, to get to salvation, to honor the salvation of other people and their ultimate dignity, and to defeat Satan and to please God. This is his desire, too. He wants to, as he says, I want to follow the law. I want to to follow God and Jesus Christ. I I want this with all my heart, but why do I do what I don't want to do? I do the evil I don't want to do, and I do not do the good that I want to do. What a wretched man man I am. Who will save me from this wretched body? Thanks be to God for our Lord Jesus Christ. So now we see Paul's path to freedom. In this passage, he's not despairing of freedom. He's struggling because something, whether it's his pride or concupiscence or level two desires, maybe level one sensual desire, whatever it is, something is bothering him, and, and he's struggling with it. But he is not in despair. He Finally, when he gasps at the end of this, who is going to save me from mm. this wretched body of mine? Well, thanks be to God for our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. Jesus can reach into our lives. So if we're taking our freedom— and we're preparing those little baby steps. And by the way, Paul knew of those those little tiny baby steps, right? He knew how to integrate a, a you know a plan of action to sort of move concertedly towards a goal, even though he struggled and struggled. He couldn't get to perfection overnight, and and he, he had difficulty. But it's the power of prayer too. It's the combination of our concerted act of the will, right? That's the determination to put a, a plan into motion. We're going to move toward a goal. I, if you get the pornography addiction, I'm going, my goal is to break that addiction and to follow Jesus chaste and to follow our blessed mother as chaste. You know, I, I want to do this. This is who I am. This is who I want to become. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow that goal. That's the first thing. Remember, you don't have a goal. All roads will take you there and all roads won't do it. So that you got to get the goal then choose the path to the goal. Choose small, tiny baby steps to get to the goal, steps that are doable. Don't leap to perfection. It'll never happen, especially if there's an addiction present. Got to make small steps. Then in every step, incorporate prayer. And of course, sometimes that means even getting a prayer life going in our lives. And that means starting with small steps. If you don't have a prayer life going right now, you've got to set a little time, set aside 10 minutes in the morning, set aside 10 minutes in the evening, and just start simple. Don't have to be Teilhard de Chardin. Don't have to be St. Teresa of Avila. Just, I'm going to do two decades of the rosary in the morning, followed by my morning prayer. And then I'm going to do at night two decades of the rosary, followed by the reading of the day. Something so simple, you're just going to do it. Or even I'll give an example of a pornography addiction. You know, a lot of people will say you need an accountability partner in order to get Mm -hmm. out of the pornography addiction. Okay, Mm -hmm. say the first thing you're going to do is maybe you identify that person. And now when you look at porn, now you're going to just start mentioning it to them. You know, mm-hmm. I did five times this week. Yeah. Or maybe it's that you're going to go to confession and say how many times you looked at porn. You know, start mm-hmm. with that smallness of at least admitting what you are doing mm-hmm. to someone else. That might be 
how small your goal is. It might even be, you know, you say out loud. And sometimes I'll say this, like, uh, I love to go to daily mass. It's a devotion I've had since I was in high school. But there are periods of time where it can be difficult to make that happen. Maybe you're sick Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. And I always try to make sure, you know, I didn't make it to daily mass today. That's okay. But I'm just saying it out loud. So I remind myself I want to go and I'm going Mm -hmm. to go tomorrow. And, you know, I think that saying things out loud to other people really do help us in setting those goals moving forward. Yeah, and even accountability things within it. So if you have like one of the smartphones or your computer to say, I'm going to put this software on my computer that will alert you, my accountability friend, when I'm doing this. Yes, Covenant Eyes. Covenant, uh, yeah, that's correct. mm CovenantEyes.com. That's correct. And so you can just load it up onto your phone and your computer so that there's a little alarm bell that goes to your accountability partner and um, so you can help one another to get there. That is a tiny step, but it's a really important one. And, you know, the more you uh, take those two little prayer periods, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening, and any time you can get to daily Mass, those things really help because what you don't see happening to you is that you want, as the more you pray and the more you keep that little prayer habit going, the, and sometimes you even increase it to three decades or whatever it may be in the morning and the evening, all the better. But the main thing is notice how you want to please God more and more. Notice how you start falling in love with uh, God and the Blessed Virgin Mary more and more. Notice that you know something is shaping you in your life so that when the temptation towards sin comes, you go, oh, I don't want this. I want to please you, my lady. I want to please you, Lord. Something inside you is welling up against that temptation as it starts. And your no can mean no. And that you're shaping your free will. And that's great. Remember, if you're going to be truly free, choose a goal. Choose a path to that goal. And then do the prayers that are necessary to connect you with God so that when you think of, I don't want to displease God, it feels and means something to you. That's how you, you train your freedom and you become truly free. That's Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center. You're listening to Trending with Timory. We've been pulling from Romans chapter 7, mm-hmm. talking about this battle that St. Paul experiences. And Father Spitzer was breaking it down for us and how at the end of that passage, that little story, we read that he ends up answering the question, you know, here is sin within me. My body's doing the very thing that I don't want to do. And he talks about the battle between the law of the mind and the law of sin. Mm-hmm. But he asks that question, who will deliver me? It's God. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus. Christ. And so when Father was saying just a second ago that when you start praying your rosary, when you start going to Mass daily as you're able, Mm -hmm. you don't even realize what's happening. It's the grace of God working within you to overcome that bad habit of being critical of others, to overcome your anger, to overcome your competitiveness, to Mm -hmm. overcome the short circuits that we have in our life that Mm -hmm. cause us to just make others miserable around us at times. These are the things that you're overcoming if we'd only allow ourselves to be set before our Lord more regularly. Yeah, that's really true. I know, you know, when you're just getting started on a, on a prayer life or you're just getting started on daily mass, what winds up happening at first, you know, the devil will just throw every obstacle in front of you. I'm not <laughs> kidding you. And you'll just say, oh, I can't do this. It doesn't mean anything to me. Just get through that period. Consecrate that time to God. Because I'll tell you what will happen. You know, the first in a week or two, maybe, 
your rosaries will just be rattling. Hail Mary, Holy Christ, the Lord is with you know, and you're just getting through it. But you watch, come around the second week, halfway through, you'll see that something inside you will say, I don't want to rattle through this. I want to get more out of this. And then you start saying to Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And the praise you're giving her starts meaning something. And the more you start connecting, and she'll start rubbing off on you. The more you connect with her, the more she starts rubbing off on you, the more your heart will be transformed. Corad Corloquitur. What a gift to have Father Robert Spitzer, president of the Magis Center, here with us. One of his many resources, again, can be found at CredibleCatholic.com, as well as HealingTheCulture.com, where he has so many resources. There are free resources you can print or view on your phone today to start making the changes and set small goals. This has been Trending with Timory. To book her to speak or learn more about her guests, visit radiotrending.com. That's radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. 